0: Hey everybody, this is Catherine, and you're listening to the Currency with Katherine Podcast, the show that teaches you about all things money, but not just money. We approach money through a holistic life lens because all aspects of your life are connected. That's why we bring in other elements like mental health. When you're confident in your financial capability, all other aspects of your life will improve. And welcome back to another episode of Currency with Catherine. I hope everyone had a great week and we are continuing on with our special guest series. And before I introduce this guest, I just want to point out that a lot of people today would be will say that everyone needs to be an entrepreneur and people will get started on their entrepreneurial journey but they don't really have the support or they don't even really know where to start so it's kind of hard to even be an entrepreneur if you don't even know where where you should begin so our special guest today is going to help solve all that and i'm going to introduce mr brandon Gano and i'm gonna let him take the floor brandon i leave it to you
1: well thank you so much Catherine. it's exciting to be here and i gotta say just from that introduction um I agree. It doesn't, it seem like in today's world, it's like, you have to be, be your own boss, be an entrepreneur. And that's, I mean, to me that, that could be daunting for a lot of people. And that's, uh, that is not the message I am here with today. Although I am, I am an entrepreneur by trade. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely a, uh, a stigma we can overcome this evening.
0: Yeah. How about we start with telling people like, what do you do since you are an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah. So uh, what I do basically is um, I have for the past four or five years, I have owned a uh, screen printing custom apparel shop um, just in my small town. And the first two years were, you know, rough, rough sailing, if you will. But then I kind of uh, I kind of took a step back and said, okay, what does what What does this business need to move forward? and what do what do I need out of this business to, um, you know, not not be a slave to the business working eighty plus hours a week and actually like get my life back and be the entrepreneur that um you know, most people think about when they hear that word. So over the past uh, two years or so, and then really over the past year, we've actually I turned this into, a franchise, um, which is a, a new endeavor for us. So that would be um, a separate company, but based on my original company. Um, and that's what I'm doing these days is just uh, we're, we're new. We're only a month old technically. So i just trying to bring potential franchisees on board and, and grow this brand and give that gift of, of entrepreneurship and business ownership back to others in a format that's you know proven successful and, and duplicatable across the country.
0: That's amazing. So let's take a step back. You said that you started this company and would you say you struggled for like two years getting it off the ground?
1: That's such a nice word. I'm going to, I love the word struggled. We're going <laughs> to, we'll say struggled. We won't say what actually happened, but yeah, it was, uh, it was tough for a long time. And it was, like I said, it was, it was uh, 60 hours a week would be a, a slow week. Um, and I'm not saying that's the right way to do business at all, um, but yeah, in the beginning, it was the mindset of, well, I'm the business owner, I have to do everything, I have to figure everything out. So um, it was, you know, finances were tough without any education on that. Um, running the business was tough, hiring, firing, all the things that go along with being an entrepreneur um, and a business owner. It was the first, the first two years were very, very difficult, um, but then after, kind of planning out where I want to go and and where the business needs to go and really focusing on that and doing it with, with purpose. Um, that's when things started to really turn around and today it's a totally different picture, um, which is exciting.
0: So tell us, were you working like a nine to five, the same time you were working on building your business?
1: No. So I actually, um, my, my, my business started as kind of a, a side hustle of another business, if you will. And I was in charge of the, the printing department. So it was kind of set up, but it was, it definitely wasn't like a full scale business at that point. Um, so it was actually, it was my, my dad's company and it, it didn't make sense. His industry is nothing related to do with, with what I'm currently doing. Um, so we decided, let's just break this off into two different companies. Um, and then, you know, we can both be masters in our own field. So, and really specialize in in what we do best. So it was at that point, it was uh, October of 2018. Um, and I, I, that was my full-time job. And this was, like I said, it was like a side hustle of that business. So I did not, I left that job. Completely. We, I totally not cut ties with my, my family, but with that business. So I, it was on me to fully replace my income, get the business off the ground, get customers in the door. Um, and it was, uh, you know, probably not the best way to do it. I see what you're kind of hinting at. And yeah, if you're going to start a business, maybe, maybe replace your income first before you go all in. But at the same time, maybe there's something to be said about just jump and ship completely. And, um, making it making yourself have to make it work in order to survive really
0: yeah I definitely agree and I feel like a lot of people they can't really dive headfirst into entrepreneurship because they have kids spouses life and Mm -hmm. of course bills
1: (laughs) yeah all those things matter they're all important um and yeah the other thing I'll say I only had uh, my my wife now was my girlfriend at the time. Um, and we were I, we were renting an apartment. So um, th- there was no real like super risky leap to take. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously, there's bills to pay and and all that fun stuff. But we didn't have kids. We didn't have, um, you know, a, a house with a mortgage and super crazy bills at that point. So it was a risk i was I was comfortable taking at the time. Um, and I'm glad I did quite frankly, cause now I see, you know, if I were ever to do that again, there's lessons learned in that. And there's also, um, lessons learned on the flip side. Like I said, of just, just jumping ship and saying like, okay, this has to work. I have the tools to make it work. It has to work. Um, and kind of burning the boats if you will. Um, so there, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to each, each side. I'm not going to say one is better than the other. It's, it's depends on you and your situation and, and really, uh what your comfort level is
0: yeah so why really screen printing cuz i know and i wouldn't say it was necessarily a saturated market but you know a lot of people do know someone who can make t-shirts but for the people who haven't looked at your website like you're not just about t-shirts like you're more about the environment and also with, um, speed is a big thing. I've looked at companies about getting t-shirts made and it's like, Oh, you have to order by this date to get it, you know, within maybe a month and a half later.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's kind of been, so my, my focus from the beginning has been everything but the product. And that may sound terrible, but my, I, I recognize from the very beginning it's not about selling t-shirts and it's not about even selling like the greatest quality t-shirts um, for example if you are to look at companies like Walmart they focus on the cheapest product and there's that is their niche basically that's not my niche then by no means have I chosen that um, but then you look at Amazon and they, really do the same thing as Walmart to a certain extent, but they focused on being the fastest and having the best customer service. Um, you know, you you can't really pick up the phone and get in touch with somebody at Amazon, but their customer service is really outstanding. You know, I'm sure there's horror stories here and there, but you if you your product doesn't show up or you're not happy, in most cases, they let you keep it and just give you a refund and don't ask any questions. Like That to me, they they have changed the landscape of business and what's required to, to be seen by the public as, as an outstanding business. Um, other businesses like Zappos, for example, again, they come back to their thing is customer service. They don't sell shoes, they sell customer service. So I kind of saw that from um, from the beginning and I was like, Yes, I'll use your words. The the screen printing market is saturated. Um to give you some quick stats, I think there's there's over 30,000, uh screen printing or embroidery businesses in North America alone. That's a lot. Um there's like five to ten in every single town. Um, but you also look at that and say, okay, they're all surviving. So there's there's definitely a market for it. It's not like they're just coming and going. Um but none of them, I'm not going to say none of them, that's that's over-exaggerating, 90% of them focus on their product and and having a really high-quality product. Yes, you do need a quality product, but I our differentiator from the beginning has been speed and customer service. So I stole that directly from Amazon, kind of as I hinted at there. Um, and that has seen exponential growth from day one, because that's what... In any business, that's what the customers are looking for these days, um, especially in in an environment now where we're we're sitting at home shopping on our couch and we're not even going to the office. Um, people just want really good customer service. They want to have an easy transaction, um, and they don't want to jump through hoops to buy a product. And and that's where every industry is going, but especially physical products.
0: Definitely, I know that there's a lot of people. That I've just seen in like different financial groups on Facebook that they're upset that like Walmart and Sam's are, you know, slowly weeding out cashiers and like they're adding more self checkout, more express lanes. And people really do like, you know, customer service. They like talking to somebody. They like, I guess it's just the human interactions that they really want and they don't want to ring up their groceries. And, with a machine and mm-hmm. walk right
1: out of the store. Yeah, I, it's a double-edged sword for most people because, um, you know, there's there's a lot of angry people out there. I don't think that's that's news who, you know, would prefer to keep their head down in the checkout aisle. But uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, yeah, well, especially after the last two years that we've been through as, as a nation and as a world uh, where we've been isolated to some degree for a lot of that time, we're realizing the importance of human connection and in, in every facet of our lives. And that that quick interaction, checking out your groceries or getting a coffee at, at Starbucks or what wherever it is, is like just just hearing, you know, from someone else, how is your day? Or, or being able to say that to someone, like, how are you doing? Um, and genuinely mean that. You don't get that from a machine. Um, and that's I think that's very important in all businesses, really. Um, Talking to robots is quick, it's convenient. But if it's the new norm, I don't know how that's going to go, to be completely honest with you. And that's definitely not where I'm trying to take my company. But we're, I mean, like I said, we're we're franchising. That is a physical in-person model. And I'm I'm going all in on it because I believe in the human interaction, like you're mentioning.
0: No, I love it. So let's back up a little bit and talk about. I'm curious about. Okay, so two years you put in blood, sweat, and tears, and your business isn't going anywhere. When you took that step back, what are some things that made you put into perspective, like why your business was not succeeding that you well to the level that you wanted it to do?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think um, in every everyone's, um, path to entrepreneurship or business ownership, the sooner that they realize that they are the problem, the sooner their, their company can grow. Um, and that's, that's completely normal. And that's kind of what I realized is the more I do, the less productive I am, the less effective I am, um, and the less reliable I am really. So it's a, like I said, it's a customer service business. If I, if I'm working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and I'm not, you know, my email response times are slower or my order of fulfillment times start to slow down. Well, now I'm, I'm sacrificing the one thing that's uh, is really important to the business and I'm becoming just like everybody else. So I, that's kind of why I took a step back. It was, it was the holiday season, the year at like 2019, Um, that's usually in this industry, it's a very busy time of year. And after that, I just said, like, something's got to change this. This is not, it's not sustainable. First of all, I can't do it. I can't keep doing it. Um, and then also it's just, it's not fair for the customers. Like they, they expect a level of service that now they're not getting. So why, why would they continue to work with a company like that? Um, and it's also, you know, on on that small of a scale, there's such liability because if I'm sick or if I get in a car accident and I can't work for three months, like I'm out of business because I am the business. So it was the, you know, accumulation of all those different factors. And I was really, I was scared to be honest with you. I, I was just, I was paralyzed by fear of both hiring somebody and also not hiring somebody at the same time for for the fear of what that would do to my health and, and the potential future of my business. So um, I decided to try it out. You know, I, I hired one person part-time and then two people and then a full-time employee um, and just slowly grew into it. And um, it was also kind of, as I mentioned earlier, it was scary from a financial perspective. And I'm sure um, you're, you're not uh, a stranger to this, but, you know you hire somebody on and now you're responsible for somebody else's livelihood to some degree if not all of it uh if they're a full-time employee so yes that's that to <laughs> me was very scary it was like okay now we have to bring in work like before you know if if i didn't hit our marks for the week like you know whatever it's just me but now it's it's somebody else relying on me so that was without having a sound financial strategy and um background I'll say before that strong enough it was very very scary to jump into you know putting other other people's livelihoods um, and lives at, at risk really so it was uh it was an interesting leap we'll say
0: so I'm curious about the financial side of your business I know mm-hmm. you you transitioned out so did you have like money saved up to start your business or were you just you know self-funding like as you went because that's another hurdle for people I know some people will they'll try to get grants but they don't really have a solid business plan or you know they try to get some level of funding from a source.
1: Yeah it was uh the, the short answer is no, I did not have money saved up <laughs> and, um, I did not get funding either. So that I just kind of, I reinvested along the way and, and bootstrapped it. And for as long as I could until we like really started making money. Um, but yeah, that's the part of business that, that no one really tells you about. And I think for this industry, that's probably why it's, it's very, it's as saturated as it is, um, you know, you you can't go start a a, a trucking company with five hundred dollars. I'm sure you could, but it's very hard. You know, a truck is going to cost way more than that. In screen printing, I, I started this business with uh, twenty five hundred dollars, I believe, and I had a little bit more in the bank, but not enough to live on by any means. Um, but that's all you really need in most cases to get into this industry. Um, And then yes, in order to make money, you do have to reinvest and and you do need more, more than that to buy equipment and stuff. But, um, the barrier to entry was, was very low and it was, you know, thank God for that differentiator that I mentioned, because without that, and with, with a slower growth trajectory, I don't think I would have made it to be perfectly transparent. Um, because it is, it is hard to, to just be competitive doing the same thing as everybody else. So. As far as loans go there, I mean, I, I would love to hear your perspective on this too, but there, it seems like there's so many options because most people can go to the bank and probably get a mortgage. But what you don't realize is that that's the number one commodity in this country is a house. Everybody, or at least Everybody probably dreams of buying a house. Not everybody has one. Um, but mm-hmm. banks are willing to write those loans because there's there's collateral against it. They can repossess the house or foreclose on the house and they have an asset. Well, on a business, like you mentioned, you have to have a really sound business plan. You have to you also have to have assets in most cl- cases to put up against that loan., um, I didn't have assets. I was like 24 renting an apartment with like five thousand dollars to my name. So uh, you know, a, a loan from a bank really wasn't in the question at that point. Um, and that could be, that could be a hurdle for a lot of people, even, even like SBA loans, they, they can sometimes be very, very hard to get, even though those are designed for small businesses. Um, I will speak from so experience. It's, it's tough. SBA
0: makes you jump through hoops.
1: <laughs> yes. A lot of hoops. <laughs> yeah.
0: So my next question. So when a lot of people don't know this, but before I bring a guest on the podcast, we have like a little introductory session where I can get to like talk to a person, get a feel for them, you know, learn more about them. And I remember in our previous conversation, you talked about how your focus on finances and financial literacy really helps you scale your business. And of course, this podcast is about financial literacy but not just that mindset and mental health also. So would you mind sharing us like how having a grasp on financial literacy and finance is like really helped you in your business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that to me has been the most, well, all three of those things have been the most important parts of, um, scaling and and growing my business. Um, like I said, I didn't, I don't think I had that, um, at that sort of low point when, when I was even scared to bring on an employee Um, let me ask you a quick question. Have you ever heard, um, and and maybe your listeners have too, but have you ever heard of profit first?
0: I have heard of profit first.
1: What do you Um, think about profit first?
0: See, like I've heard of it. I don't know what it is, but the main mantra I tell people is that to pay yourself first.
1: Yes, yeah, that's that is the uh, the quick cliff notes version of of the system, and I won't elaborate much more on that. It's not my system, but I would encourage anybody who wants to have a better grasp on their finances to just even skim through that book and and the model of pay yourself first and taking your profit first air quotes there because um, you can do it in your personal life too. That was the game changer for me. So I read that book. Um, shortly into uh, owning my business. And it was actually, it was a little bit before I started my business and I did it, I was doing it in my personal life. And it's just thinking about your money differently um, in terms of what you're using it for. So I'll take it from a personal perspective. So there's things you have to pay every month, right? There's, there's your mortgage or your rent. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty important to to have your place to live. You have food bills, you have utilities, um, cable, internet, all that fun stuff. Um, and then there's your fun money. Well, if you put everything you have into one bank account, who knows if you're going to have enough money to meet all those bills every month. And then God forbid you get a surprise bill from your vet. Cause your dog ate a plastic bag for $1,500. A lot of people I'm sure you heard this stat, but I think it's something like uh, it's a large majority of people. I don't want to misquote it, but it's in the 60 to 80% range of people, of American citizens cannot afford a $1,000 emergency bill. Um, yeah. And that's a scary stat. So we operate like this where you just, you put all your money in one account, maybe two if you're super financially savvy and you hope there's enough to go around. Um, and people do that in business. They carry your, your financial strategies in your personal life typically carry over to your business. Whether you have an accountant bookkeeper or not, most businesses don't have more than one or two bank accounts. Um, and if they do, they're probably financially better off than, than the ones that don't. So what I, what I did after reading this book was in my, both my personal life and my business life, I set up nine bank accounts each. Nine. Um, Nine. So I have currently, as we speak today, I have over 30 bank accounts, which is maybe a little bit scary for most people. And I don't want to overcomplicate things, but I have an account for, on a personal side, for my mortgage. I know exactly how much money needs to be in that account to have three to six months of mortgages saved up so that if something comes up, that I see what's in that account, and I'm good. I know I'm good for a couple months. I have a food account. I have a utility account. Um, and I do have a profit and a tax account because, well, the government always wants their cut, but I also um, want to cut. What was that?
0: I said always.
1: Yes, always. We, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so but So the government gets their cut and you should have your cut too. So that's the fund money and the vacation money and all that other stuff. Um, And your, your long-term savings accounts, you you can have accounts set up for that too. So if, in terms of financial literacy, that really dumbed it down for me because I am not a financial professional by any means. Um, And and I, I don't, I don't think I have the, uh, the patience to be as well. Um, no offense, of course, but when I sit down and look at like my business balance sheets and profit and loss statements, I get it, but I'd much rather take a quick glance at my bank accounts and be like, okay, we're good. I know where I stand in like two seconds. Um, so having that level of financial literacy to where I'm speaking the language of my money and I know what it's doing, where it is and what I can do with it. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't recommend the book any, any more to be frank with you. It's, it's, it's a total game changer just in the way you look at your finances. Um, if you're in debt, there's strategies to get out of debt using that system. Um, and it really takes the stress away from personal and business finances.
0: No, I love it because you have reiterated a lot of stuff like my Facebook financial literacy group listeners, you didn't just hear it from me, you heard it from Mr. Brendan himself. I always talk about, you know, like possibly having more than one bank account. Also talk about finding what works for you because I know a lot of people, if you say the word budget, they just freeze. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes I call it a spending plan. But mm-hmm. I really like your system now that you have explained it because it's kind of like, you're doing the envelope system, but you're yes. doing it with bank accounts, physical bank accounts. You don't have physical envelopes where you're stuffing money. The bank account is the envelope. So it makes sense that you have mm-hmm. all of these accounts. They're basically, I think Ally Bank calls them buckets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of like you're on the bucket system and you know what you want, which is great. Like you have figured out what works for you. And I know a lot of people, like for me, I love using Excel. I am a numbers person. So I can do my budget using Excel, but someone else who's maybe not, they don't really like technology. They may like pen to paper budgeting. I would go crazy if I had to sit there and do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you're right. And he he even, uh, Mike McCallough, what's the author, even describes... The system as the envelope system that's where he first heard about it from his mom or grandma reference in the book but um that's exactly what it is when when ally bank talks about buckets that's for probably wealthier people because they need bigger buckets than envelopes but um <laughs> that's a terrible joke but anyway um yeah so it depends on how you view your money and how you use it if i personally were to use your system with excel and spreadsheets I don't get me wrong I I love spreadsheets I have a crush on spreadsheets um they're phenomenal but if I were to do that but still keep my money in one or two bank accounts the just the temptation to use it because it's there um maybe I need a little bit of a psychological help I, I think I have a spending problem to some degree then but the temptation to use it cuz I see it would be too strong so that's why I have the nine accounts, because in my, in my profit and my tax account, those are actually in separate banks that are very, very hard to access. So I really need to get to that money in order to take it out. I'm not going to go take it out to buy Chipotle. Um, and that to me is just the system that works best. Cause if it's there, if it's accessible, well, you know, you having a bad day at work and you go home and you, like I said, you go buy Chipotle cause you feel like it. And you don't feel like making dinner, that's not a good system for me. But a lot of people have way better self-control than that. And like yourself, you can put it on a spreadsheet and know exactly what to do with it. Um, it's it's really about you. You hinted at the mindset side. It's it's knowing how you operate as a human being, leveraging that, and also obviously having the right mindset around your money that it's not it's not all for your consumption now you do need some later. You need to save, you need to invest, you need to pay your bills and you do need to have fun money. So um, it's leveraging a system that's going to work the best for you to get you where you want to be really.
0: Man, you're speaking my language.
1: (laughs) You didn't tell me to say any of that. Let me just, let me be very clear. So I'm glad that it it definitely resonates with you and your audience.
0: No, that, I definitely think whoever's going to be listening to this later, like they're definitely going to love this and they're going to be like, oh, it's like Catherine has already told me this. So it's got to be true. They've heard it from someone else. So, (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm definitely the person I have be transparent. I have four bank accounts, so I have my regular checking. That's where all my bills come from. I have my savings account that is just general savings. And it is attached to my checking account. But again, like you mentioned, I have the self-control where I'm not going to go pull money out of that savings account. It's for short-term savings. Now I do have an alley account. Now that one is for long-term savings. It gets a nice little 2% that's doing nothing against with the inflation rates. We have <laughs> right now. But in case of emergency, like if my bank account got locked, there is money that's not attached to that bank account where you know i can still pay my bills and etc and then my fourth account it's just kind of just there you know it doesn't really have an intended purpose sometimes if i just have like extra money i put it in there and you know sometimes i'll pull i would say that's probably fun money because if it's not an emergency if it's not general savings then that's usually the first one first account i will touch for maybe i see something i want to buy but again, I, I have self-control and like you mentioned, some people may not have that level of control that I have. Mm -hmm. If they see extra be like, Oh, I have an extra $50 this month. I'm going to go buy me, you know, I'm going to go to a buffet or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, even four that's, that's phenomenal. That's three more than, than most of the, the people, uh, in this country definitely have. And that's, to just have it set up with that that discipline to put different meaning behind different amounts of money um, or different levels of access to it, it's so powerful. Even if you're to do, you know, for your listeners who who this is maybe a, a foreign topic, um, or if you've ever even heard of the envelope system to some degree, the the challenge in the book and and what I would challenge to you here is. Try to set up one other account. It could be a checking account at the same bank you have. And every time you get paid or every time you get money, put 1% of what comes in, in that account. And don't look at it for three months. Just do that religiously, 1%. That's probably not going to hurt you. You're not even going to notice it. And a lot of people do this with their 401ks and they don't even think about it. But that's for that's like super later money. I'm saying don't look at it for three to six months. See what ends up being in there. And you'd be surprised, you know. Most most people will probably have a couple hundred, if not a couple thousand dollars in these accounts in that one little account after three six months. And you can do well, maybe not these days, but you you can do something with a couple thousand dollars. You can probably go on a little trip, or if it's a couple hundred, you can uh, go out to a nice dinner with your spouse, or um, do a weekend getaway or something. And once you do that one time. It doesn't matter if you own a business or not. Once you have that experience and you have that, um, you know, you you see what your money can do for you once there's a structured system to it, I don't think you'll ever look back. And you may go crazy like me and have nine accounts or 30 plus accounts. I don't recommend that either. Um, But you'll probably look at your money a little bit differently.
0: There's definitely a method to your madness, though
1: usually i do have a method to my madness but it's a lot of madness i will say that
0: <laughs> well oh also i did google while you were talking about the percent of americans who can't cover a thousand dollar emergency it is 50 percent
1: 50 percent yeah that's
0: 56 oh,
1: 56 wow yeah, that's, a, that's a lot
0: yes well, Bernie, I have definitely enjoyed our conversation. I just have one last question for you. What do you got? Yes. How many hours do you work in your business now?
1: That is a fantastic question. I uh, so with with starting a franchise, I get this question a lot because um, everybody when they're looking at franchising, it's it's a lot of people who are. Uh, they have another job and they're just trying to invest and own a business rather than be an employee. Um, So the number of hours a week I work in my original business is somewhere between two and five. Uh, And I will put a little asterisk on that and say, I put a lot of hours into this franchise. So (laughs) don't get me wrong. I still work. Twenty to thirty hours a week between the two businesses, but on the one that the model is based on, I I really I have scaled down from, excuse me, from from eighty to uh, about five a week, and to me that is a that is a big win.
0: Wow, I want to put hashtag goals beside. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because I think most people, if they start a business, they want to they want the business to replace their income so they can increase their time doing other things. Cause I mean, like you're married now, you're a dad now too, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: exactly. So this is the precious time when they're, when they're small and you know, then they become teenagers and they don't want to be around you anymore.
1: (laughs) I know I have, I have at least 10 years for that. So we're not going to, we're not going to wish that away anytime soon.
0: You're good. Well, Brennan, I don't have any other questions for you. Is there anything you want to add before we sign off?
1: No, this, this was fun. And I I would say, um, you know, I I love talking to people, you hinted at it. And and I said, human connection is important too. And, um, you know, if any of your listeners want to, um, you know, learn more about how I manage money, both from a business and a personal um, perspective, I I, I personally think I do some some pretty creative things that allow me to not be part of that 56 percent thank God um and I'd love to talk about it I'd love to share about it um I I was I was definitely part of that 56 percent a few years ago that couldn't cover those those emergency bills um, and if I can do anything to uh, help people see the other side not be afraid of money but actually leverage it to work for them instead of working for it um, I, I would be happy to so so please if you, um, if you want to look me up, find me anywhere on our website. Um, I'm easily accessible and I, I love connecting with people. So please don't be afraid to reach out and, and I'm happy to talk.
0: Yeah. And I'm definitely going to put your website and your social media in the, in the uh, show notes. So people will be able to see where they can get in contact with you.
1: Thank you so much. And this was fun. I, I enjoyed talking to you
0: same to you all right everyone we are signing off make sure you check out brandon and twisted ink for all your needed t-shirt embroidery services thank you again for tuning in and i'll catch you on the next episode